Today's program is brought to you by Firesider, a health tonic based on the traditional New England cure-all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit Firesider.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. The Men About It is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit, member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. Go to HeritageRadioNetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now! No, seriously, we need you! Good evening and welcome to Fun Man About, about it. it on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Isette. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And I'm Rachel Jacobs. And we're your co-hosts through this journey through all things fermented weekly. On Stitcher, iTunes, and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Actually, the other way around. We're on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are archived on Stitcher and iTunes. And uh, thank you for support and, and listening. Again, back to uh, the intro to the intro. Uh, we do need your support. And uh, please, become a, please, please, if you like the show, become a member of HeritageRadioNetwork.org today. It's tax deductible. What? That's insane. That means you should do it right now. <laughs> anyway, I'm really kind of, I think, really excited about today's show. Oh, you are excited about I, today's show. I am very excited about today's show uh, for a couple of reasons. Before we get to the subject of today's show, mm-hmm. or the uh, intended subject of today's show, we have a surprise guest. But before we get to that, we can talk about a couple of things that happened on our way to school today. On our way to school today. <laughs> on our way to school today. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm fresh back from BCTC, kind of reacclimating to city life. I've spent the last few days up at Belgium comes to Cooperstown in uh, at Omegang Brewery, and it is every year. It's such an amazing, amazing fest. It is a is a festival by beer lovers for beer lovers. They do an excellent job keeping everybody entertained. It's not just about the tasting that happens during the day on Saturday, but they they have a, they allow people to camp there, uh, and so basically there's a it's a giant bottle share and camp camping uh, a bunch of beer enthusiasts with a lot of beer at their tents a lot of the industry uh, is there uh, just enjoying themselves a time away from the, the regular day-to-day marketing and life of, of beer business and we all just had a really great time thank you Oma gang for fucking it up uh, Caught up with an old friend there, Ben Maeso of Prison City Brewing in uh, in upstate New York, and I want to congratulate him because today, Paste, uh, I believe believe it was Paste, they do a blind IPA uh, tasting every year, and they tasted 249 IPAs this last round, and and Ben, who's working on a small three-barrel system, uh, won in upstate New York. In upstate New York is number one out of these, these blind days. He killed it, and uh, it's really, really awesome. And congratulations, Ben. He makes an amazing beer. If you get to Prison City, uh, please, please do so. Uh, he, we had hit, we interviewed him a year ago at BCTC, and there's a small little excerpt on that. I don't know which, what number show that was. But. And while Chris went to BC, I actually took a two-day sewing class here in Brooklyn. Uh, so I stayed home, but Friday night I headed over to 
uh, one of New York City's newest breweries, Interboro Brewing Company. And so actually, I was going to talk about that anyway, because I got to taste their first three beers. So their tasting room isn't yet open, but they, they are their first three beers will be on the market next week, I believe. This week. This week. So lo and behold, I walk into the Roberta's where the HRN studio is located here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And who's at the bar but Jay Steinhauer of Interboro. So I said, hey, Jay, why don't you, I was going to talk about my visit to Interboro anyway. Why don't you come on and, and join us? Hey, Jay. Jay. Welcome. Thank you for having me. What a surprise. <laughs> so we've known you for a long time. We, I guess we first met you when you worked for American, right? Yeah, I was at American Beer Distributing for about eight years, and um, they sold their uh, portfolio about two years ago to Union Beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the interim, uh, I have done a couple things, but my friend Jesse uh, Ferguson, who had brewed and uh, helped start up Carton Brewing, uh, went on to do some production brewing another half, and then uh, while he was setting up uh, the plan that we have here for Interboro Spirits and Ales, we're going to be uh, doing um, brewing and distillation and uh, have a tasting room open to the public with a full bar and some food in there. And, uh, this and an week- Ardo mat. Yes, that's right. And we're going to have some <laughs> little art projects for the kids that come in, uh, but we're poised right now to uh, start distributing our first two beers uh, later this week. So what are the first... Because I tasted three... So the first two are the pill are pils- yeah the first two releases we have are uh, Bushberg which is an American style pilsner um, pretty hoppy but uh, noble hops mm-hmm. kind of herbaceous and then we're doing a beer called Lottie Dottie which is a session IPA nice yeah kind of juicy tropical fantastic and then you have a saison coming out and the saisons in the fermenter actually I gotta speak. admit so I loved all your beers um, I really love the pilsner the pilsner is really nice like clear and crisp and clean and exactly what i want in a pilsner especially in this weather um the session ipa was very good as well but the saison was absolutely that was the one that just for my particular taste really blew me away so i'm excited to see that come out as well likewise uh i think you know it's not it's it's um benefiting from a little bit more time in the fermentation tank right now so Mm -hmm. well that's a mixed ferment yes so we're we're getting there uh we want to have as many beers available uh when we uh initially open to the public and so um, we're releasing these two. We're going to continue brewing and release. We're hoping to do one beer a week uh, going forward, but uh, we're slating right now uh, to open to the public uh, after Labor Day, the first week in September. So uh, we want to schedule those parties and have as much of our own product uh, feature at that time. And Jesse has also done uh, two collaborative beers so far. He went and brewed over threes where they made another uh, American-style Pilsner, mm-hmm. and then he did a collaborative beer down at uh, Transmitter. So um, hopefully those two companies are going to be taking those two beers to market, but we also want to have guest taps um, at our establishment, and then we'll obviously be featuring you know, a lot of the friends that we have here in the brewing community. And, um, and then we're looking to do a lot of collaborative projects going forward. Uh, so that's the beer side. There's more to that, uh, to the operations. It's uh, beer and spirits. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, big uh, hopes uh, to do a lot of interesting things on the distillate side. Uh, we have a nice, beautiful-looking Cadillac style <laughs> still Gorgeous. in there. Trust it is, me. It is <laughs> gleaming right now. Well, there's a little bit of dust on it right now, but uh, it, it's a really a beautiful setup. And uh, a lot of our equipment is dual use, so we're going to be able to, you know, produce mash up to a certain stage. And then our hopes in the future, our intentions are to be able to utilize the same uh, mash and then produce a spirit and a beer and then be able to present them together, highlight some of the um, 
ingredients and so people can experience them in different formats. Right. 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 I love that. And like, we have, we're pretty ambitious. I mean, we're going to do a gin first and then um, probably tomorrow and then like later on, like I think the sky's the limit. You know, we want to be sure. inventive, but also paying homage to traditions. But then, um, you know, kind of get feedback from the world and the people we're going to be working with and come up with some very interesting ideas and like not really set limitations for ourselves. Awesome. So where can people find more? Uh, we're on locate. We're located on Grand Street uh, in East Williamsburg, uh, between right next to the Grand Street. Tra- is it the Grand yeah, Street? Yeah, we're on the Grand okay. Street L stop. Yeah. So it's between Bushwick Avenue and Morgan Avenue. Uh, and like I said, we're going to be opening the tasting room at the beginning of next month. And uh, right now, I'm literally out there trying to start selling our <laughs> first kegs. That's what yeah. I was doing here. <laughs> and you guys have a website or Facebook, Twitter? Uh, yeah, we have all that stuff. So Interbro, I-N-T-E-R-B-O-R-O. Correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to run into yeah, you. Yeah, this is a real treat. Thank yes. you so much. Yeah, and it was thanks, a pleasure. Jay. I mean, I had such a good time with you guys on Friday evening. Um, tasting the beers and checking out the tasting room i had your uh, there was a cocktail on draft that i got to taste uh so yes yeah, I, we're, and, yeah. we're gonna be I'm pretty excited effective. yeah we're really excited too so um we love the support that we're already feeling from all the folks in the industry and uh we're happy to get out there and turn the world on to our juice cool <laughs> thank you so much jay thanks well, for having me jay, the best. all right so i have one more announcement i am actually going to start teaching a series of classes at bitter and esters which is in prospect heights brooklyn it's our, our local homebrew store uh the first one's coming up on wednesday august 24th and this is a class i've been wanting to teach for probably years it's i've been doing a, a little bit it's kind of a bunch of the classes i've taught in the past all combined into one so it's actually called taste training aka palate party so we're going to talk about the science and reality of how we taste and smell we're going to taste through several examples of one particular style of beer we're going to go through an off flavor so we'll i'm going to doctor a beer for people the attendees and we'll talk about you know why how it could have gotten there and how you can fix it and how to avoid it um how to identify it, you know, even if you're a home brewer or not. And then we're also going to do blind tasting something, some really cool stuff. I don't know if it's, it'll probably be edible and it probably won't be beer. Um, and this is classes for everybody, home brewers and bibers, beginners, advanced. Uh, it's basically an exercise class for our gustatory system. So if you're interested, uh, check out Bitter and Esther's website. You know what else is happening at Bitter and Esther's? This Friday, Gordon Strong is coming to town. Mary and I are picking him up at the airport at 2 p.m., and we're going to do a little car chat with Gordon Strong, and so we'll air that episode sometime in the future. But uh, he will be at Bitter and Esther's at 6 p.m., and we're really excited to host uh, Gordon Strong back in the state. He actually is from New York State. He's from up, upstate a little bit. Uh, excited to have him back and host him home. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. If you're in town, you can come. He's doing a series of events throughout the weekend on Staten Island, Brooklyn, and Long Island. That's right. Pretty sure it's a free event. It's just like, come come hang out with Gordon Strong. Share some of your yeah, beer. Bitter Nesters. But there, yeah. but the other, I think the Long Island is like a brunch. Might, and yeah. yeah, there's some other. So definitely check it out. Depending where you are, if if you're here in the in the uh, New York City area. Yeah, and uh, and while we're talking about stories of uh, beer collaboration, I'd, I'd like to share uh, one of my own. So uh, I was not here last week. I was up in uh, New Hampshire on a retreat uh, with a bunch of people. This is my second year on the retreat, and I made friends in the first year. Because of homebrewing, I wandered into somebody's cabin and I noticed that there was uh, homemade wine. And so we just started talking about homebrewing. And this year, we did like a little bit of an exchange. I brought in some mead and they brought in a Hefeweizen. This is my friend Yule. um, And they made a a Hefeweizen that I found out was the first Hefeweizen that they made. And it was a collaborative uh, 
beer making session with their father, who was a big time fan of beer and homebrewing, but had never done it himself. And so they got together with um, their brother and brother's partner and their wife and also their father and just made this big batch of Hefeweizen and then brought it with them to uh, to the retreat. And it was a really nice time. And uh, it was a pretty good Hefeweizen for the first one. Uh, he, uh, they got the recipe from Beer Advocate uh, on a thread called Awesome Hefeweizen Recipes <laughs> Anyone Can Make. Yes. That's cool. We <laughs> always love to hear about <laughs> collaborations. named. Yeah. It's always fun to, to hear about family collaborations as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what got my attention with it. <laughs> so I got to tell you guys what is sitting in front of me uh, as, a, as a lead into our introduction of our guests. So we have a coffee can full of stuff <laughs> formerly <laughs> edible and a very cloudy orange mason jar so rachel is straining the mason <laughs> jar through a coffee filter into one of our uh, plastic cafeteria style glasses with very slow and limited success <laughs> I want to, I want to cheesecloth instead yeah. so what what are what, what are we about to drink uh, so before me are two batches of uh pruno or prison wine um, one is made by a friend of mine. The orange one is made by a friend of mine, uh, Dustin, who is part of the Brooklyn Homebrewers Meetup group. And the other is um, one of the coffee can is mine, which I left while I was at, under my sink while I was in New Hampshire. Pitched it with yeast when I got home at 7 p.m. last night and uh, put it in the fridge this morning. Um, so uh, we got some batches of, of prison wine, which is a... Uh, an interesting genre of uh, drinks. Awesome. And the whole th- the reason that Kristen, is- our first taste of Pruno, a.k.a. prison wine, there's a bunch of other names for it, is through, we've mentioned this on the show before, because mm-hmm. it was an, one of those experiences. We've been wanting to do this show for Yes. <laughs> our friend Flint Whistler, who we know through working at Rockaway Brewing Company. So welcome, Flint. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he is... Uh, to our knowledge, he's never actually been to prison, right. or at least uh, <laughs> in I, I have never been uh, in prison. Okay. Uh, how's working at Rockaway? Does it uh, feel... Uh, delightful? Does it feel like a prison? <laughs> okay. Not like prison. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm free every day. So tell us what you do at Rockaway first. Um, a little bit of everything. Uh, I started off when I was really small and was just the brewer, and slowly I've gotten into uh, into putting together the tasting room. That's That's my main baby. And I put together events and make sure that everything works right, everything happens, and try to come up with fun things as, uh, to keep people engaged. And then I, I run the homebrew and small batch program. Which is a Thursday, regular Thursday night uh, hang that you have, right? Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Every Thursday, uh, myself or one of the staff members will make a small batch of something that we're excited about, and we'll give it away a taste of something that we have finished up. And we'll, every once in a while, bring in guests or friends or associates or whatever to make their own thing with us. Right on. What inspired you on the Pruno front? Is it part of the Thursday thing? Is it, how, how many times have you made Pruno? Uh, I've made Pruno probably about a half dozen times by now. I first ran across it um, through, through books and movies, and then I was fortunate enough to meet a couple of, of people who knew about making it. Uh, and so someone was kind enough to give me their recipe because they knew that I like to make more more novel fermentation, shall we say. 
it's definitely a novel fermentation. In just a minute, we're going to take a real quick break, and, and we'll come back and talk about the recipe that you were taught. But before we do, I'd like to read a poem uh, that is uh, the what we know is a documented uh, recipe. Uh, I don't want to give credit to the guy whose name is it, because he's a convicted felon. We don't want to heroicize, but his name's actually in the poem. So I'm just going to go with the poem. It includes, it includes uh, a recipe for Bruno. Here we go. Take 10 peeled oranges. Jarvis Masters is the judgment and sentence of this court. One eight-ounce bowl of fruit cocktail that the charged information was true. Squeeze the fruit into a small plastic bag. And the jury, having previously on said date, and put the juice along with the mash inside, found that the penalty shall be death. Add 16 ounces of water and seal the bag tightly. And this court, having, on August 20th, 1991, placed the bag into your sink, denied your motion for a new trial and heat it with hot water and water for 15 minutes. It is the order of this court that you suffer death. Wrap towels around the bag to keep it warm for fermentation. Said penalty to be inflicted within the walls of San Quentin. Stash the bag with your cell undis- in your cell undisturbed for 48 hours, at which place you shall be put to death. When the time has elapsed, in the manner prescribed by law, add 40 to 60 cubes of white sugar, the date later to be fixed by the court and warrant of execution, Six teaspoons of ketchup. You are remanded to the custody of the warden of San Quentin. Then heat again for 30 minutes. To be held by him pending final. Secure the bag as done before. Determination of your appeal. Then stash the bag undisturbed again for for 72 hours. It is so ordered. Reheat daily for 15 minutes. In witness whereof, after 72 hours, I have Heron set my hand as judge of this superior court. With a spoon, skim off the mash, and I have caused the seal of this court to be affixed thereto. Pour the remaining portion into two 18-ounce cups. May God have mercy on your soul. Chris, that is a loaded poem. <laughs> it's heavy, right? Anyway, that's a recipe for Bruno. I was expecting it to be like a little lighter. Um. We're going to take a break for a minute about it. Today's program was brought to you by Fire Cider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? It's good advice, and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, Fire Cider added whole raw certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Fire cider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea, juice, or salad. Fire cider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide. Use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample. For more information, visit firesider.com. Welcome back to Foment About It. We are here in the studio with our good friend Flint Whistler from Rockaway Brewing Company. You can find them at Rockaway Brew Co. on Twitter and I and uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. And also on their website. <laughs> the social media is all Rockaway Brew Co. Right? Yeah, and it's Rockaway Brewing Company. Dot com, right? 
It is. It is. Okay, we're good at that. All right. Not limited by characters there. What does anybody? Here's here's. I'll, I'll buy a beer to anybody who comes to me with the longest internet uh, website uh, URL address URL. All yeah. right. But you got to come to me. Find me at uh, at the bar somewhere. I won't tell you where I'm going to be. But if you've seen me with the Kuzmi name on the shirt, <laughs> I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> anyway, Flint, uh, your recipes. What was the first recipe that you used in Pruno? Or where did you hear about the recipe? What are the rules to Pruno? Okay, what are the rules to Pruno? Are there rules to Pruno? Are there rules to Pruno? Well, the, the rules to Pruno, as as far as I gather, this is all secondhand information through Pruno, <laughs> sure. um, is, is that you're using whatever you can get from the commissary in the kitchens. Uh, it's, of course, very illegal to make, so you've got to be hiding it. You've got to be using collecting things. Sometimes it's a collaborative effort. Uh, and you're usually going off of kitchen supplies, so you don't have yeast. You don't have barley. Um, you don't have anything that's not just like a, a strange processed food product. Um, so the, the the recipe that I was originally retold uh, used a lot of oranges, just like in that poem. Uh, it was basically a sack of oranges macerated inside of a bag. Um, and then they were going off of ketchup. Um, around that amount, though, the, the exact measurements were a little bit limited. They, they did not have access to uh, teaspoons and tablespoons. Right, and they're talking right, to me right. about that. Um, then, let's see, a lot of ketchup around... 50 to 80 sugar cubes, uh, if they could mix them on in, macerated with the uh, some gummy bears, if you could get a hold of them. This is if you're getting nice. really fancy, and you could get a hold of those from commissary or gift. Uh, and then a single slice of bread, which was seems to be entirely unnecessary, but uh, there's a little bit of a, a rumor or an idea that it might have some yeast or might be able to hold on to some things. And then it's essentially just wild fermented with which, whatever's inside of the, that cell at the time. Right. Oh, what kind of vessels do you think they're fermenting using? Uh, I think Bags? the back of the toilet also. <laughs> yeah. The back the back. Uh, yeah, the back of the toilet. Or bags inside. If yeah, they can get hold of like a plastic bag oh, right. or something. Mostly yeah. plastic bags. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, small plastic bag. <clears throat> and then no, hidden in the back of the hide the, in the, back the of thing the, in the yeah. back of the toilet. Yeah. Toilet toilet tank, yeah. 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 Uh, what is the advantage of putting ketchup in it? Because that seems kind of gross. More sugar? Well, sugar, yeah. Source of sugar. But there's also sugar in the sugar cubes. Yeah. I don't know. Body. What I gathered, you yeah, wanted... body and... Go well, ahead. From what, from what I gathered, <laughs> Sorry, Flint. That's like want, a conditioner. <laughs> you want basically anything that can give you alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Um, you may have really limited resources, and you want it to be as alcoholic as possible. I, yeah. I doubt that anyone's going in and trying to make the sessionable Pruno. <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> so you want something that's going to give session. you a bang for your buck. Right. Uh, you said you made it six times? Yeah. Uh, All different recipes? How were the flavors uh, you know, throughout through that process? Largely variations of the same. They, um, I've made the recipe in different locations every time, and that's been a big determining factor. So the one that you guys tried in Long Island City, that one was a little bit cleaner than what I've made in Cleveland. Uh, and so you're probably getting yeast from the air, or definitely or getting yeast from the probably air. Probably from other things that and you're and the oranges yeah. and all that. And no, nothing was really heated; it's all just essentially room temperature. So um, yeah, it's just just whatever was alive on whatever those oranges were, <laughs> the bread, the ketchup packets uh, that I've squeezed it from, or what I had, what was on my hands when I threw the gummy bears in it. Right. Right. Whatever, whatever yeah. took there were gummy bears in it. Uh, that's the fancy version. The fancy version. Yeah. It's like champipple. God. 
<laughs> All right, Flint. <laughs> so I want to let's talk a little bit about other things. You were you went to Mexico and went to a pulqueria, correct? I did. I went to um, I went to eight of them all together. Awesome. So let's talk about that because pulque has been another kind of beverage that we've talked about, but we've never actually had anybody in the True. show that yeah, has actually been our, to a oh, pulqueria. You did it yourself, right? Did well, I have a folke okay. in recipe in my book, so I made it with agave nectar because we can't get a fresh agave sap here. But um, I have never been to a pulqueria either. I know that in the old days, women weren't even allowed. I think that's changed in at least some areas. But let's talk about, first of all, what is pulque and, and what is a pulqueria? Um, pulque is fermented agave sap. It's a traditional Central American fermentation using ideally the bacteria that, that grows on the agave plants. So it self-inoculates when you harvest the aguamil, which is what they call the sap. Um, and then you have a blanco, which is what your clear, unflavored, kind of funky, weird uh, <laughs> liquid is. And then you can mix it to a corrado, which is when you add fruit juice to change change the flavor profile. And so pulqueria is usually a place where they will both make and serve the, the pulque because it, it doesn't travel well, it doesn't pasteurize well, and so they'll be making it fresh constantly, and then they'll scoop it off and add it into serving vessels, which are usually juice containers. And so you'll have your blanco, you'll have your uh, guayaba, your mango, all that kind of stuff set up. And it's um, it's a very old drink. It goes back to pre-Aztec times. Um, it was a religious drink for a long time. Then the, when the conquistadors came through and basically turned everything upside down. It became a, a drink for the people uh, and was popular into, I believe, the early 1900s when there was a very strong marketing campaign by Cerveza companies that just wiped it out. And it's slowly making a small comeback as a traditional drink. So what is a, what is a pulqueria like? Like, are, is it like an... Did you... I mean, were they... Was there kind of a common theme to them? Were you... You know, is it like a bunch of stools up on a bar? Or what's kind of the atmosphere? It varied wildly. There were a couple of them which were like any sort of bar that you would ever go into. They just happened to have pulque on the menu. Mm-hmm. Then uh, one of my favorites was this this small, it was essentially one-room place with a small patio out front that was r- run by a man, his wife, and his daughter. Um, the man and his wife didn't really speak English much, and I don't really speak Spanish. So I started a little bit of translating back and forth, and they had a wooden bucket, a wooden wooden barrel where they did all the fermentation of their their blanco, and then they had three containers above it. They had a bar that was maybe five feet long, and they would just give you a, a cup for a couple of pesos of whichever you wanted, and it was a it was a neighborhood hangout spot, which the average age was probably about forty five to fifty. <laughs> um, and then there was one that I went to that was this weird green flashing light electronic music club <laughs> in which they're fermenting the stuff inside of actual trash cans and yes. just scooping wow. it in with a big big pitcher and going from there. So it, it, it's, it seems like it's just about everything. I only saw Mexico City proper, but uh, there's a wide variety. That's pretty cool. I mean, and the thing, I think, you know, most of these beverages, and we've talked about this before, but Chris and I had a beverage in Cambodia in the middle of nowhere in, you know, a province in a very rural area. Um, no electricity, no running water, and they were making alcohol from the palm sap because that's what they had on hand. And I think this is a common element in all of these beverages is that people around the world ha- make alcohol of whatever they have on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's something that we've kind of forgotten in this country um, and is is 
kind of cool to bring back. I mean, whether you're doing it with things out of your garden or that you buy at the green market or things that you buy at the grocery store. Um, now, you brought a sample of the pulque back because you gave me a little some a little mix slurry and I didn't do anything with it. But did you have how was your uh, versions when you came back with it? Oh, it's been going well. Previously, I, I had first heard about it and then tried a couple of other people's, but um, I, I went down and picked up and essentially started a starter with that that bacteria. And I've I've got it going. I've got a continuous bulk A batches cycling through, and it's a little more traditional. It has that tang and funk, and there's a very very light savory note. The only big change for me is I'm using nectars now that I'm right. back in America because, well, that's what's available. Yeah, right? so you can't much, get sap here, fresh sap. Yeah. Cool. But, yeah. Are you noticing a flavor different difference being nectar versus sap? Mostly texture, um, and it's a little bit cleaner of a flavor. The mm-hmm. the stuff down down in Mexico City had well, it has a definite savory element to it. There's there are some earthy notes. Uh, there are some some batches, and each pulqueria has a different different profile based on what their home yeast is. Yeah, um, and so some of them would end up tasting a little bit like body fluids uh, honestly and some of them would end up being just like incredibly tart the one that I brought back was the one that was the most generally palatable to American audiences uh, so it has that tartness it has that little bit of funk it has this tiny hint of savor if you look for it um, but it also has a decent alcohol content and uh, you can taste the sweetness after the fact speaking of alcohol content so you were you had access to things that most people in prison do not have access to. Did you take before and after gravity readings on your Pruno? I attempted to, since it was all a big mash, and using a, a fair amount of solids to begin with, the original gravity, I think, was probably pretty accurate because it was just so full so of dense stuff, <laughs> yeah. including all of that ketchup. Um, <laughs> and they used a lot of ketchup. Uh, but it, I think it was coming out to probably... Seven percent or so. Interesting. Um, oh wow! So um, nice. wow. I had a question. So both Dustin and I found that um, when we were making our our prison wine, or that it fermented very very quickly um, when we um, added champagne yeast. Um, did you find that it like was already quickly fermented, or how long did you let it sit for? I, I usually let it sit for about a week. Um, that's what was recommended to me. But it ferments pretty fast, yeah. uh, and it gets really interesting really fast. And I think you probably want to drink it pretty fast, just yeah, in case you get a yeah. little bit of a little bit of uh, acetobacter in there, and it starts going towards vinegar. Gotcha. Yes, yes. So talk about how did you make? What was your recipe? Uh, so my recipe was uh, it's pretty easy. Um, so I have a lot of coffee cans sitting around my apartment. Um, I also had a bag of apples, and two of them were going very bad. And I decided that since we had this contest, I should just use them. So it's. I think two or three rotten apples, a couple of spoonfuls of sugar, then water, and then I let it sit. Oh, first off, I, I lined the coffee can with a plastic bag so that um, I didn't have to wash out the coffee can too much. True to recipe. Yeah, true to recipe. Also, to be true to recipe. <laughs> um, and then I let it sit under my sink in my very hot apartment for about a week and a half. I went to New Hampshire, left it under my sink, came back at 7 p.m. last night, and I... Uh, poured a little bit of champagne yeast in there and then I sealed it up and uh, that is what sits before us right now. Well, let's taste it. Pour us down. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and as, as, we, as we go into that, she pours out some, some for that. Uh, Mary, you want to talk yeah, about botulism. Talk to, yes. Oh yes, I do have to bring this up as a warning. Um, 
So there are a few documented cases of botulism from drinking Pruno in prison. Uh, CDC actually, or people from the CDC, um, actually wrote a paper on it, and apparently it was from using potatoes because botulism is a soil-borne bacteria, and potatoes can carry that. Um, so you want to avoid those kind of things if you do this at home. I would say it is good to bring it to pasteurize or bring to a boil. Um, and, and, you know, if you're not using commercial yeast, um, you know, just be cautious of what you're putting into it. I think the safest way, if you want to do Pruno at home, I would recommend pasteurizing or bringing to a boil and using commercial yeast. Um, it's not going to be necessarily the authentic, but uh, you'll probably get a tastier beverage and, uh, and a safer beverage. And it'll still be fun to experiment. So the can smells like vinegar, but it doesn't smell like vinegar in the cup. Uh-oh. It's going that way. You can start it's going that way sort of on its way. But it, reminds it does me of taste apple though. actually yeah. tastes like apple, taste like it. peel. Apple peel. Yeah. Is it alcoholic at all? I don't know. It smells a little alcoholic. Smells a little alcohol. Smells alcohol. Yeah, it smells yeah. like alcohol. It's a little acidic, too. Oh my god! It has. It, has it a, is very earthy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Rachel is it not a very sour. <laughs> it is. It is tart. What do you think, Flint? <laughs> definitely tart. Definitely yeah. earthy. There yeah. is a little more apple on the nose. So mm-hmm. A little bit of a fermented sugar taste. On I the think it's fermented. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, never mind. Yeah, it's semi fermented. I've definitely worked. Uh, Drunk worse things. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's it is on its way to a, a really incredible. This is only apple. Is this is just apple, and, apple sugar? And, sugar. and sugar? Yeah. So this is this is on its way to really nice apple vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Yeah, this might become already. a good apple cider vinegar. And All right, mostly natural. So we have one other Pruno. <laughs> Let's oh, yeah. talk about what's happening. Pruno entry. <laughs> so actually, uh, Pierre, our engineer, can play a segment. So Rachel, oh, yeah. um, let me introduce it. Yeah. First. So this is the one that my friend Dustin. Um, uh, we had a Brooklyn homebrewers <laughs> meetup a couple of weeks ago um, at Owl Farm uh, in uh, Gowanus or Park Slope, whatever it's that area, as we usually do. And um, he surprised us by bringing out. This jar of like Pruno. <laughs> and he's like, I made Pruno for the Pruno contest. Right. Um, and so um, I decided to uh, tape the tasting. Um, so it's a little loud in the background. And also, um, you couldn't really hear the ingredients that he used. So I'll just say them now. So he said it's um, uh, grapefruits, tangerines, lemons, oranges, and fruit cocktail. And he said that the hardest part was finding fruit cocktail. <laughs> He like it's not a Trader Joe's thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> where does he live? Where does he live? He lives in uh, Brooklyn Heights. All right, all right. Um, so, so uh, yeah, we can play the clip of the Brooklyn Homebrewers uh, meetup uh, trying Dustin's Pruno. All right, so uh, what have you got for us with this Pruno here? So I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember the drink Five Alive. It was a Minute Maid drink. It was five fruits. I think it was orange, tangerine, lemon, lime, and grapefruit, I think. So I went out. It's not tangerine season, I found out, so I did not get tangerines, but I got everything else. I made Pruno out of it, and we're about to try it for the first time. I want to film everybody's reaction because I think it's not terrible, but at the same time, I don't want to kill everybody. Let's find out. Well, before we go into trying it, um, what was your method of making it? Oh, certainly. So, chopped everything up, mashed it really well, put it in a plastic bag, two plastic bags actually, because I don't want my kitchen to be totally messed up. Mashed it with a hammer until I got the juice out of it. 
added yeast to it, made a yeast starter out of it, added the yeast to it, let it sit in my nice 85 degree apartment because it's July in New York City, so it just sat for a while. It started fermenting like crazy. Um, before long, it was very, very alcoholic. It was kind of ridiculous the way it was kind of bubbling over. I think it's safe. Who knows? We'll figure that out. Um, what do you use champagne yeast? What yeast did you use? So this was Lavalin yeast, Lavalin champagne yeast. Uh, made a starter out of it, just a tenth of a packet. That's it. Okay. Are we all uh, prepared to try this? We're ready. We've tried this before. <laughs> I had a small amount when I filtered it. This actually smells super good. It tastes like a Glade candle. It does taste a little like a... You can taste the plastic bag. I think it tastes like the orange rind. Yeah, it does like... It tastes like orange rind. My mouth hurts. <laughs> it's shit. Okay. Could use more ketchup. Okay. I, Dustin. I think that's, that's what you said. Dustin, what do you what do you think? How do you think it came out? If you were in prison, would you drink it? If there was no alternative, yes, absolutely. It didn't kill me. It might make me stronger. I'm okay with that. All right. Brooklyn Homebrewers uh, with uh, Dustin Bruno. Amazing. Doesn't that make you want to drink? <laughs> I agree so with much? all of those comments, especially <laughs> the ketchup and the grape. I, I think though it's just because champagne yeast eats through all sugar, so this just tastes like like I've, I mean I've made lots of beverages like this where I just let it go dry. This probably ended up at like nine nine. Yikes. Nothing like <laughs> this is. Uh, there's no sugar left in this thing. It tastes a little like off too. Have you ever <laughs> lick yourself after spraying yourself with off? No. <laughs> I mean, I do that all the time. It's kind you of like yeah, okay, oh, yeah. You know me. Yeah, it yeah. does taste like a Glade candle, but it is totally drinkable. I mean, yeah, it's it's devoid. It needs some back sweetening, I would say. Like yes, but otherwise, hey, oh, yeah. Really there's there's Splenda available in prison. <laughs> Yeah. I have a really stupid off topic. I saw a t shirt the other day that said, Families that sniff glue together don't stick together. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, thanks for listening. I'm, okay. um, I'm pretty sure the word I used to describe it is like pithy. Yeah, it it's definitely, like, definitely pithy. Yeah. yeah. That grapefruit, the grapefruit is stronger. Well, stronger than the grapefruit. He yeah. still won the competition. I think so. Yes, yeah. it's <laughs> the only one that made it in the studio. <laughs> Mary and I failed for too busy and. Playing I mean, Pokemon Go, I totally play in Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's wrong, but I'm really having fun with it. Uh, Flint, before we go, what, what do you have fermenting now? Because so, if you go to Rockaway Brewing Company, which is in Long Island City, it's easily accessible on the seven train, the G train, a bunch of buses, and my favorite mode, mode of transportation, the East River Ferry. I stop by there a lot because it's just yours is my it's my favorite. It is her favorite. I hate yeah, to be biased, true. but I. I love there's such a vibe there. in there. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> and you always you so you have a lot of stuff going on top. Like there's a shelf kind of on the back when you walk in, and beh- if you look behind you, you can see a shelf, and you always have cool stuff. So what do you have? What do you have fermenting right now? So right on the on the shelf right now, I have three malt liquors: a uh, the the pulque starter, a Caribbean ginger beer, 
and a cool ship beer just to see what's living inside the brew house right now. Um, and then if you go into the back hallway, uh, you have to ask first, but we'll, we'll generally show you. Uh, we've got six varieties of meads, a cigar porter with tobacco in it, um, a juicy IPA, and the prototype for an oyster stout. Awesome. Ooh. And you're generally, so if you people come to Rockaway on a Thursday, usually if you order a pint, you can taste some of your, whatever yeah. you, your fun beverage of the week. If you, if you see me pouring something, uh, or you ask, I'll, I'll definitely give it to you. And if, if you seem interested, I'll probably offer it to you no matter what, <laughs> even if you don't necessarily want it. Flint is the guy that is always wearing a Rockaway shirt and he kind of looks like, uh, what most Westerners think Jesus looks like. <laughs> True. Just, to, just to put that, I think that with, describes with half of Williamsburg. <laughs> yeah, that's, kind of, that's also true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rockaway Brew Co. on Twitter and Instagram, and RockawayBrewingCompany.com on on uh, on the URL, the internets, on the webs, on the internets, on the internet webs, uh, and they are surrounded by a bunch of breweries. The LIC Beer Trail is really awesome too. So, mm-hmm. anyway, support local, and if you come to New York City, visit Rockaway Brewing Company. And say hi to Flint because he's fucking awesome. And if you want to brew your own Pruno, even after this show, please let us know how that goes. It's not so bad. It's kind of fun. But you- most importantly, if there's something that you want that you are growing in your garden, or your neighbor is, or something in particular that you see that fascinates you at the grocery store, and it has sugar in it and no preservatives or very few preservatives, try it out. You can do it. We believe in you. Foment about it. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Wall with no end on the banks of forgiveness. You clutch to your burden, her waters.